0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode 74 of Hill Saturday. The guest we have today, Daniel aids For 25 years, he has been practicing management consulting. He is the author of two books. His most recent is titled, Leveraging the Genetics of Leadership, Cracking the Code of Sustainable Team Performance. This book demonstrates how elite organizations are revolutionizing the practice of leadership, transforming the world of work and setting new standards for employee engagement and customer value. In his consulting practice, he helps senior leaders design high-impact cultures of courageous and engaged employees. Wow, looks really very interesting and I can't wait to hear more from him. So let's just welcome him and hear more about his career journey. How did he find his area of interest and in managing to hit that? Hello, Dan. Very happy to have you on the show and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to be with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm also really, very excited to hear from you. So our first section is about passion and interest. Okay. Another segment. The question is, how did you find your interest in this particular field and what motivates you every day to be in this field?
1: Well, that's a great question. And uh, I, I'd have to say that the, the passion for leadership and the idea that I'm working on and that I'm expressing in, in this book that I wrote um, is very non-traditional when it comes to leadership. Mm -hmm. Most ideas about leadership looks at leadership as traits of the individual. Mm -hmm. And uh, this book flips it. So it looks at really the kind of leadership how or how high-impact organizations approach the practice of leadership. And they do it very differently. But this happened to be a passion that found me. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily looking for it. Uh, I've been a practicing management consultant for 25 years, and uh, it was about four years ago after actually way too many of these little small events sort of erupted in one big one. And the, just as an example, I was speaking with, uh, I just finished a project for a very large state agency. Uh, mm-hmm. This agency regulates 450,000 healthcare providers every year. Mm-hmm and uh, the project took several months to complete. They had probably 18 months of, of work to do in, in the implementation of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, they were by any measure a mess organizationally, mm-hmm. and uh, I had—I was speaking with the deputy director. I was finishing up the, my last conversation. I had my computer bag in hand. My hand was on the door. I was ready to walk out. And in a tone that was confessional, she said, you know, I don't even tell my friends where I work anymore. Mm -hmm. I turned around and I said, why not? She said, it's just too embarrassing. And uh, it was a number of conversations like that that finally triggered my thinking about how high impact organizations approach leadership.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when I got looking at it, it was like, uh, it captured my attention mm-hmm. to, the, to the point where even after four years, I routinely wake up at three o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep because I'm thinking about it. Um, I routinely get up in the morning saying, thinking to myself, how in the heck am I going to transform a body of knowledge about leadership that, is, that no longer works? And that there's research that says it no longer works. And uh, it's one of those things where I cannot not write about it, research about it, uh, try to work with clients and how to uh, how to really uh, exchange their organizational cultures and how they approach leadership.
0: Wow, that's a pretty interesting story. And uh, I think... Uh, uh, that was very well said, right? As you mentioned that uh, passion found me. Yeah. So, that's a good thing, actually. Sometimes uh, it happens reverse way as well. Always it's yep. not like you are chasing your passion. Yep. Sometimes you find it along your career as well. Right. So, so thank you so much for sharing that. And moving towards our next section is about questions from the audience. Okay. Where I have shortlisted a couple of questions. Actually, I had like a huge resp- response for this one. Great. I tried to just club uh, three questions together. So the first question we have is, what are the indicators of the strong organizational culture and when it is unnecessary to change organizational culture?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a great, great question. Um, and first of all, I, I think there's always opportunity to improve organizational culture. There's always that opportunity. But if you're gonna improve the culture, you actually, actually, you actually have to know how to do that. And, and you actually be, have to be able to measure the growth of that culture, which is the first part of your question. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's probably two or three indicators of a strong organizational culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're, they're not difficult. One is turnover. Uh, nationally, uh, average turnover in this country is about 25% a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, healthcare, where I've done a lot of the research for the book comes out of healthcare. Mm-hmm. The average hospital between 2016, I think it was, and 2020, 89% of their workforce turned over. Mm-hmm. That is not an indication of strong organizational cultures because people want to work in Cultures that are positive, where they have a voice, where mm-hmm. they feel like they 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 can contribute to the mission. But if they're turning, if if the hospital is turning over their staff, it's a good indication they don't have a, have a very strong culture. Um, I think the another one would be, um, a, um, something like a best place to work award. So Gallup. Uh, has a best place to work award. There's a number of organizations that offer, um, you know, best place to work awards. And that would be another indication that, well, people like working here and it's a strong culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, one of the organizations I looked at that I profiled in the book has won the Gallup's best place to work award every year since its inception. And they are like, There's like three organizations out of the multitude of organizations that Gallup tracks. And they're the only, there's, they're one of three. And they're only, uh, they're the only one out of that that's in healthcare. And um, the third one, I think would be innovation. Uh Who or what is driving innovation? Uh If there's no internal innovation happening, um, in other words, all the innovation is coming from outside the organization. To me, that would be an indication. This is a very weak culture, because yeah. strong cultures they generate their innovation internally. Uh-huh. So, I'll give you one real simple example. Um, one of the manufacturing companies that I that I researched, uh, two hundred people uh-huh. in this company every year on average. Not all participate, but on average, all 200 people, employees, all 200 not just the not just the leadership, but all 200 employees uh, generate on average five to six Kaizans or process improvement initiatives on their own. Mm-hmm. Every one of those is innovating a process, improving the process, looking for waste extracting waste out of their manufacturing processes, creating more value for their customers. And um, I don't know too many companies that are doing that, but Mm -hmm. that is remarkable. And their turnover, by the way, is single digits. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a waiting list of people who want to work for them. And they also have a waiting list of customers who want to do business with them. Um, Wow.
0: That's like, completely like new to me to understand actually and it's good to know uh, mm-hmm. what goes behind you know strong organizational culture mm-hmm. As that when there is a no necessity to change it as well yeah so thank you so much and moving towards our next uh, question is uh, do you feel qualitative research is better than quantitative research in predicting human behavior in areas such as organizational behavior, I think you mentioned a couple of things in the earlier question.
1: Yeah, after. yeah. Well, um, I don't think one is more important than the other. I think I think they're both equally important. Uh huh. In much of my consulting practice for the last twenty five years, um, I've been a numbers guy. Um, uh-huh. You know, trying to measure process, trying to measure revenues. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's all it's all measurement, but yet. I always start out my, these projects with this idea. The number is going to get us so far. The the numbers sort of, if we're going to go on a hike, Uh
0: the
1: the numbers will get us to the point where we could start the hike on a mountain trail. Where I live, we have a lot of mountains, but they don't tell us the whole story. Frequently, the whole story is part of a human story. It's part of the story of the workforce. And numbers numbers don't kill, tell us everything. They, they, they can direct us, but we have to have both qualitative and quantitative analysis. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and they, I think uh, both are important when it comes yep. to organizational culture as well. Yep. So thank you so much for sharing. And uh, next segment that we have is a fun segment where I'm going to give you the three keywords, which are more or associated with your profile. And you have to just tell me, you know, whatever comes to your mind. It can be like a replacement keyword or it can be like a short definition. So whatever comes to your mind. So are you ready?
1: Okay. Pressure's on.
0: (laughs) So no, you are very expert actually from your answers. I can see that and you have a great uh, storytelling skill as well. So the way you are telling the answers, you have always like, you know, something to give as an example. Thank you. Yeah. So the first word we have is uh, culture.
1: Culture. So um, long, uh, short story. Uh, Four years ago, I was under the impression, Uh and I still believe this to a large degree, that the way to the way to transform an organization, mm-hmm. the way to produce excellence, to produce elite elite level performance, mm-hmm. was really around design processes and improving processes. The whole idea of continuous improvement around processes. I don't mm-hmm. believe that anymore. <laughs> the, the the best way mm-hmm. of improving an organization is through designing and uh, designing the culture mm-hmm. through leadership. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, I totally agree to your
1: point.
0: The uh, second uh, keyword that we have is sustainability.
1: Sustainability. So most people use the word sustainability in terms of some kind of environmental sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about sustainability in the research and the book and in my, in my consulting practice, um, I I talk about sustainability in the idea of sustaining a level of performance over time. Mm-hmm. So if if you look at um, at the whole practice of hiring and firing chief executive officers in large corporations, the average CEO of a, of a uh, Fortune 500 company is three and a half to five years. Mm-hmm. You can't start anything and sustain it in that amount of time. You could have some, you know, short-term bumps in, uh, in ROI and short-term bumps in strategy, but long-term you can't sustain it. If, you know, the average CEO is only going to stick around three and a half to five years and the data says half of them will be terminated, um, by cause in other words they're going to get fired and when and the and and the other piece of that is that when they are fired or when they leave half the coo's and cfos are going to turn over as well so you can't sustain any kind of long-term excellence when your executive leadership is just turning
0: uh, uh-huh. Wow, that, that's like a very interesting to know as well, like, you know, how it goes like a hand in hand when we mm-hmm. think about the growth. And I think it is a lot more like a togetherness, I guess, when it comes to the organization level. Yep. So thank you so much for sharing. And the third word that we have is employees.
1: Employees. Um, traditional way of looking at employees are units of production. Uh-huh. We hire an employee. We want you to fulfill this particular function. Put mm-hmm. this peg in this hole, um, or you know whatever you do, do it this way. It's very prescribed. But um, high-performing organizations mm-hmm. that have, that can sustain, that have a history of sustaining their their performance, they look at people very differently. They look at people as a resource. The, that they can develop that resource for ever-increasing value. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, and I'll use this as an example. And when I'm, I tell you this story, I'm actually thinking of a, a real organization, uh-huh. healthcare organization that consistently is ranked as one of the highest, excuse me, one of the safest uh, hospitals in the country. Some have even speculated it might be one of the safest hospitals in the world. hmm uh-huh which may not sound like too much until you realize that accidental and avoidable deaths in hospitals is a leading cause of death in America. Mm -hmm. 161,000 people die every year in hospitals because of avoidable accidents. Mm -hmm. So safety is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, This organization uh, actually, when I, when I took a tour and was talking with them, they, it was, it absolutely blew me away. I was totally unprepared for what I saw. They intentionally, intentionally create better human beings as part of their development of their of their employees. And it's not, um, it's they, they're not satisfied with just developing better doctors and better nurses and better med techs and and better you know administrative assistants and, and reception people. They want to develop develop better human beings, specifically stronger, more self-confident and more self-empowered human beings because Mm -hmm. they've discovered that when they do that, Mm -hmm. they create a better employee that in fact will um, increase ultimately value to their patients. Mm -hmm. Quick example, if I have time, if they they can develop a more self-confident person, That person is more likely to speak up Uh when they see an error, a potential error, Uh because they're trying, they're creating a culture where the safety of the patient is paramount. Uh So they want strong, self confident employees because they will spot something that might happen or they will spot, hey, we can improve our safety by changing this process. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're, they're tying employee development right in with their mission and how they deliver healthcare. It's really, a, it's a phenomenal thing when you see it.
0: Wow, this is really very amazing to see yep. that there are some organizations we value the yep. employees the most. I think employees are kind of a core part of the organization. Yep. So it's very important, as you mentioned, that betterment or the self-improvement for themselves, like employees' uh, improvement, uh, that is kind of a major agenda on the organization's yep. market yep.
1: Yep.
0: whenever it comes to when we talk about you know good organizations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So thank you so much for sharing. And the next sec- section, we are moving towards tips and advice. So okay. any tips or advice would you like to give to the students or the professionals who are looking to get into this area, which is a leadership? And grow into it, or looking to get into this leadership coaching kind of a area as a long-term career option for themselves. Sure, sure. So or your answer with books or courses as well.
1: Okay. All right. Well, uh, obviously, I you know I, I might recommend my own book, but um, but there's another book that I would I would highly recommend. In fact, um, uh, it was actually a, a conversation uh, with uh, Dr. Barbara Kellerman. Uh-huh. at harvard university um when i was telling her what i was saying and she said oh there's a book you need to read uh so it, it's called uh an everyone culture oh wow uh comes out of harvard university press uh-huh. they profile three different organizations uh-huh. and they they refer to these organizations as ddos the deliberately developed developmental organization and it's all about creating better human beings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, uh, it's a great read, it's, it's, it's an easy read, it reads almost like a novel, um, but uh, that would be one book I would definitely uh, uh, recommend anybody to read who's interested in culture and yeah. development. The other thing though, I, and I, I do get asked this question every once in a while, You know, if you're talking to emerging leaders uh-huh. Um, younger people just getting out of college they're starting out where do I go etc yeah. I would this is what I what I say look for an organization mm-hmm. that's going to develop you mm-hmm. not just develop your technical skills or you know uh, develop your ability to put a round widget in a round hole mm-hmm. anybody can do that. Sure. Look for an organization, and there are there are few, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. Who, if you, when you ask them, like in an in an interview, how are you going to develop me and my value? Mm-hmm. They can tell you exactly mm-hmm. what they're going to do to develop me and my value. It's not just value to them, but it's value as a human being. Mm-hmm. How are you going to help me become more self-empowered, more Mm self-confident, you know, and uh, if if I'm being interviewed and 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 they say something like, well, we have a very generous uh, continuing education program. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't run. I would sprint out of there as fast as I could Mm -hmm. because they're clueless. It's going to take a little bit of effort, but if I found a company who, who said, oh, this is how we're going to develop you and your value mm-hmm. and develop you as a human being, I would take whatever they offered me, because in five years, I'm going to be miles ahead of anybody else my age.
0: Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah, and thank you so much. Those are really very great points, actually, for any newcomer who is entering into the field, new field, or the students yeah. who are pursuing their education. Yep. So thank you so much. And the book that you have mentioned, Everyone's Culture, actually, and that is on my list as well now. And I will encourage audience as well to check that book out. Uh, And thank you so much. It's really very overwhelming to listen to you and have somebody who has a great experience on the organizational culture and the leadership. So really appreciate your time. We are moving towards the closure of this episode, which is a leadership, and you are no doubt leading your area of interest. So what is your leadership style and any specific leader that you always follow or admire and why?
1: Okay. Well, I'm a huge believer in servant leadership. Um, Uh And and, and frankly, when I started out doing the research and writing of the book, I was not looking at, at, at servant leadership. In fact, I was totally agnostic about style. Um, Mm -hmm. I just just was asking the question, how do elite organizations, how do they approach leadership? Other than that, I wasn't looking for anything specific. Um, But along the way, what I found was consistently, and not every organization knew they were doing it, but consistently I found organizations that practiced, intentionally practiced some form of servant leadership. Uh Um, some called it that specifically and some didn't but that's what they were doing Um, real quick story I'm having a conversation with a gentleman by the name of General Barry McCaffrey he's a retired four-star general Uh out of the United States Army 32-year veteran when he retired from the army he went on to serve as a cabinet position in the Clinton administration Uh there is not if, if he doesn't know something about leadership, it's not worth knowing. Um, he when he retired, he was considered one of the most highly decorated generals to have ever worn worn the uniform of United States Army General. When I asked him how he approached how the Army approaches the practice of leadership, he immediately said without equivocation, he said, we practice servant leadership. The next word that he said blew me away. In fact, I didn't even realize what he was saying Mm -hmm. until about 10 minutes after I talked to him, I'm reading the transcript. And he says, after he talks to me about servant leadership, his next word is love. Uh And and his experience of being loved by a senior commander when he was just a lowly one-star general. And that effect on him and his ability to lead his troops, which at that time was the 24th Infantry Mechanized Division, just a little company of 26,000 soldiers.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: And uh, so I no longer believe in the value of leadership style. In fact, when someone says, oh, well, you know, my leadership style is this or that or the other thing, I, I actually get kind of angry.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because if you lead based on your style and I lead based on my style, that means we're leading to based on our own personal values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Organizational values are secondary. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. High performing organization says here's our values. And here's how we are going to lead. Mm -hmm. The army says, you're going to, if you you will lead based on the principle of servant leadership, it's not a style. It is a requirement. Mm -hmm. And they have, they have, they have, uh, in fact, I, you know, when I asked the general, I said, so how does the army reinforce and teach servant Mm -hmm. leadership? He says, well, I'll give you this one, one's really actually gave me three, but one of the ways they do it. And if you ever see a a movie about the army and combat and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, military Mm -hmm. movies, Mm -hmm. you'll see this, not just a movie thing. The highest ranking officer Mm -hmm. is the last one to get on a helicopter as it's going out on a mission. Mm -hmm. The first person to get off that helicopter is the highest ranking officer. They are putting themselves in harm's way first if they're landing that helicopter in a hot you know battle zone the highest ranking officer is going to is putting himself in, or herself in harm's way first because mm-hmm. their job based on the values of the army is selfless service mm-hmm. which they define as putting the welfare of the nation the army and Mm -hmm. your subordinates above Mm -hmm. your own welfare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What would happen in in our organizations, technology firms, legal firms, healthcare organization, manufacturing, et cetera. If every leader and manager was trained Mm -hmm. to put the welfare of customers, the organization Mm -hmm. and their their subordinates above their own welfare,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we would revolutionize organizational life.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah that's very well said and uh, thank you so much uh the way you mentioned the servant leadership style i guess uh, some of the guests actually i can say most of the guests that who appeared on the show as well uh, they mentioned about the servant leadership so mm-hmm. i can see the importance of having serving for others like a, mm-hmm. you know standing standing for a motto being a leader that serving for people under me so mm-hmm. that is the of a need we need that is kind of a need of a culture right that we need more and more that people is consider uh, every single person uh, know them so thank you so much for sharing this and it was great listening to you as well as you have such a great experience in this particular era so really very appreciate all your time and consideration
1: oh you're you're welcome I'm honored to be with you
0: to share your experiences as well as your short stories I love those So thank you so much and uh, bye for now.
1: Okay, Okay. bye-bye.
0: All right. So that is all about Dan Aids and the way he is leading his passion. As he mentioned, passion found him and I can see that from his short stories and such a great experience that he has in the organizational culture and leadership. Before we close this episode, I'm going to read a Closure quote from Bill Taylor, which states: the true mark of a leader is the willingness to stick with a bold course of action, an unconventional business strategy, a unique product development roadmap, a controversial marketing campaign, even as the rest of the world wonders why you are not matching in-step with the status quo. In other words, Real leaders are happy to zig while others zag. They understand that in an era of hyper competition and non-stop disruption, the only way to stand out from the crowd is to stand for something special. So, on that quote, we are closing today's episode. See you guys in the next episode until we made happy leading. Let's lead together. Stay safe. Bye for now.